Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 191. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Chris Powell. Chris, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Ready to go. I buckled in, uh, took off my helmet just for this occasion. (laughs) Well, great. I'm glad you came prepared. Hopefully we won't need that helmet. (laughs) Chris Powell is the owner of Chris's German Auto Service in Bellevue, Washington. He's run his shop for over 31 years, caring for Porsche automobiles for his clients. Chris spent some of his early years in racing with Bruce Levin and Bayside Racing, and he got his hands on some pretty serious Porsche race cars including the RSR, 934s, 935s, the GTR, Lola Porsche, and the Mighty 962. The team ran at the 24 Hours of Daytona and the 12 Hours of Sebring, and they won at Sebring in 1981. Chris is on the Porsche Club of America's National Technical Committee, and he enjoys helping Porsche Club members with their cars and technical challenges. I've been fortunate enough to have Chris and his team work on several of my Porsche 911s, and they do wonderful work. Chris, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your business and career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for Porsche automobiles? Okay, well, I you know I grew up in Southern California in the 50s and 60s, which is uh, kind of a, the car capital of the world at that time. Oh, yeah. So I was very fortunate to be there then. I started taking an interest in cars even when I was about 10 years old. Uh, I can remember when uh, some of the kids were out playing, you know, riding bikes, etc. And I was in the, my neighbor's garage watching him rebuild the engine on his Packard, <laughs> <laughs> sitting on the fender because I was small enough yeah. I could do that, and uh, watching him using a ridge reamer on the cylinders. And I just was fascinated by that whole thing. So later on, uh, another neighbor moved in who turned out to be a, uh, a Bonneville Salt Flats racer. Oh wow! And he had a he had a supercharged uh, Ford NASCAR car, and also had a, a little streamliner that he went over 200 miles an hour with. And so I started hanging out immediately in his garage and helping him. He would let me do things, and 
actually took me out to uh, El Mirage Dry Lakes in Southern California. Oh, cool. We ran his car at the Dry Lakes several times. I never got to go to Bonneville, but uh, but that kind of started me down the road working on cars when I was about 13. Yeah. A friend of mine uh, in high school had a Volkswagen, and uh, he got into hopping that up with empty equipment at that time, and I remember uh, we would... I would go over to his house and we'd work on his car. Once we worked all night on it, trying to put some big carburetors on it, <laughs> just that kind of thing, experimenting with this and that. So a lot of that stuff started pretty early. Yeah, I just kept going. You know, I went to I went to college at Harvey Mudd College in Claremont, California. I majored in chemistry, but I always had a uh, a second passion for cars, even at that time, and Porsches especially. I have to say, uh, I got interested in Porsches just one day I was walking to high school, and around the corner comes a 356B in valley blue with deep chrome wheels, and I looked at that, and I said, what is that? <laughs> I still remember that moment to this day. Yeah. And that that kind of ignited my interest in Porsches, and it just kind of flowed on from there. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, like I said, I, uh, Valley Blue is still my favorite color. <laughs> what an imp- what an impression that car made, and little did you know that your whole life would be surrounded with Porsches. Yeah, I know, and it's, it just started it, yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about all the different ways you've been involved with Porsche, but as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. And this is one of those sayings that's been instrumental in your life, your success, maybe your business. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Chris, take the wheel. Well, one of the things that we talk about in our shop, and this comes from my scientific upbringing as well, is that when we look at a car and we're trying to figure something out, the the, the key words are don't guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And in your shop, how how do you incorporate that into working on people's vehicles? Often people come in with uh, with some kind of a problem that they want fixed, or the car does this, the car does that, and people, I think, naturally just tend to say, well, I think it's this. Mm-hmm. I think there's something wrong with the carburetor, or I think the starter doesn't work. But they, they can't define it very well, and so they try to solve it by themselves because they want to know the answer. But in reality, if you're trying to really fix a car correctly the first time, which is what we like to do, sure, you have to ask a lot of pointed questions. And in order to do that, you need to know how the car systems work. I give a talk to the Porsche Club sometimes on uh, troubleshooting and how you approach it. And don't guess is one of the first uh, one of the first mantras of that. Sure. And you have to understand... It comes to understanding how the systems in the cars work and what would happen if one section of that system fails to function. What are your symptoms going to be? And so we ask a lot of questions about symptoms, and so we can pinpoint what's going on, and then we can do testing so we don't have to guess as to as to what the problem might be. Sure. Well, in guessing can lead to all sorts of challenges, and when it comes to taking your car in for service, the idea of a technician guessing and spending hours guessing and I'm paying for those hours is not good from a customer standpoint either so yeah yeah awesome well I love the way it goes back to your chemistry background 
And being in the lab, and there's certain processes and systems procedures that you operate under when you're a scientist, right? Yes, exactly. In fact, I've said a number of times that, um, you know, people ask me, well, don't you regret not being a chemist or a scientist? And, and I say, well, you know, if I were a chemist, I would always wonder if I would have had more fun being a Porsche mechanic. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but as a Porsche mechanic, I never say, no, I would have been better off as a chemist. <laughs> I love that. Perfect. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? I know you talked about that Bally Blue 356, but is there a moment in time that was real pivotal in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? That's one of them. Then uh, another one I can think of is... Uh, I went to Riverside Raceway in about 1969. One of my physics professors had a portion, so naturally I started talking to him right away. And it turns out he also liked to photograph cars, and so he would get a photo pass through a friend of his at Road and Track, and we would go out to Riverside and, and sit in the photo areas and look at cars. And cool. We used to go out to the Porsche Owners Club time trials, and one time we were out there, and I Came around the corner in the garage was this was this blue car 911. And I started looking at it. It was very odd because it had little plastic vents in the windows and it had louvers in the rear quarter windows. And I started looking at it. And it was all stripped down. And in the back, I looked and it said 911R. Hmm. <laughs> Whoa, what is that? Yeah. And then the hood was open and I could see it had a twin plug engine and. So later on, I found out more what a 911R was, and that car uh, ignited a passion in me for Porsches, especially the kind of high-performance Porsches racing and realizing what what lengths Porsche would go to to build something special. That kind of got me really going that way. Well, little did you know you would end up on a racing team for so many years. And uh, back at the many famous racetracks, working on race cars, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I it was a you know it was a dream at the time, but uh, in fact, when I was in college, a lot of us used to sit around and uh, say, "Well, you know what? What would we do if we we could really do anything that we wanted?" And of course, I was in the camp. Well, I'd love to be a Porsche mechanic and have a shop. And turns out I had the opportunity to do that, and here I am. Yeah. I think I'm the only one that actually did one of those dream jobs. Well, good for you. That's awesome. Chris, what I'd love to do now is crawl under the hood and, and get our hands a little dirty, something you're certainly not afraid of doing, and ask you to share with our listeners a huge challenge or great failure that you've faced somewhere along the line in your life or career. And the most important part of this question has to do with how you overcame it and what you learned from it. I think the biggest challenge for me when I started my business was that uh, I really didn't know how to be a businessman. You know, I was a, I was a good mechanic. I knew how to do that. I knew how to fix cars. But, you know, there's a, there's another end of that. You have to make the business work. Right. You know, cash flow and uh, all that kind of stuff. And I wasn't very good at it in the beginning. And that, and that became a challenge. I, I was in financial trouble for a little while. But uh, I was able to uh, get in touch with someone who was kind of good at sorting those things out, a business consultant, and he came in and helped me see what I had to do. And I uh, 
set things up as he had advised, and I learned to delegate some things that I tried to do all the things myself. That's that's something that I learned was you can't do everything yourself. Right. Yes. And so once I got that squared away, um, uh, things became very successful. Wonderful. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share an aha moment story with us, a time when you realized that an idea or a concept that you had made some sense and was going to make it, and tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, it was really when I was working on the racing team, 1984. I had two young daughters at home that I was raising, and I was traveling, and I was kind of getting tired of that. I realized I needed to stop racing and do something different for a while. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I decided that I I would go work for someone else, and and I knew a guy with a one-man shop that he was very busy. In fact, he was the fellow who originally hired me to be a mechanic a long time ago. Uh, you know I'm Squire Tomasi. Oh, yes. I went to Squire and I said, well, Squire, you know, I want to leave the racing team. I want to just work on cars and be here at home uh, so I can watch my kids grow up. Yes. He said, well, why don't you just go out on your own? There's plenty of work. <laughs> and I hadn't even really thought about it. Yeah. And it just struck me and I said, Oh, well, maybe I could do that. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Aha. That was the aha moment. And so I started to think about it and I thought, well, yeah, actually, that might really work. Even though I was racing, we also ran a, a, a repair shop at the time and I was heavily involved even then with the Porsche Club of America. You know, I gave tech sessions here uh, in the area and I gave all the sessions. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, Maybe I can do this. So uh, I uh, started figuring out how to make it work, and uh, and so late 1984, I started in, and uh, I'm still here in the same place. <laughs> Fantastic. That's great. How about a proudest moment? I'm sure you've had many, but is there one in particular you could share with us? As far as my uh, career as a mechanic, I would say probably winning the Sebring 12 Hours. Oh, yeah. What was that like? That must have been amazing. It was amazing. I mean, you know, you work on those long-distance races, and at that time, they weren't sprint races as they are now. The cars are so much more reliable. It was a war of attrition, and so if you could hang on, especially at Sebring, which was at the time a very, very rough racetrack and took its toll uh, on cars just from hitting pieces of concrete that were breaking up from the track, yeah, to survive that, it was just an overwhelming accomplishment because you work so hard to get there. And uh, the nice thing about those long-distance races is the crew is so involved in, in what's happening. And, you know, a sprint race, you just basically stand there and watch them drive around and hope they don't come in. Yes. Whereas, you know, in the long distance, the crew is heavily involved over time with changing tires, fueling brakes, and all of that kind of stuff. And so it's it's kind of a team effort, team moment, and... Uh, it just felt uh, fantastic. Oh, must have been marvelous. I've had several yep. guests on the show that talk about standing on the podium at Sebring or Daytona or Le Mans and just saying how spectacular that is. And I, I will be interviewing um, Vic Elford tomorrow, who, oh, uh, of course, has stood on many podiums. and He's raced had a lot for, of those moments. <laughs> yes, raced for many Porsches, so I'm sure we'll hear some great stories from him, too. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory you had with that vehicle with me. Well, this yeah, you'll never 
get this one, then. <laughs> okay. My first special car, um, I was in college, and my mother called me and said that her cousin had a car that he wanted to give me. Oh, okay. I, at the time, I didn't have a car at school. I didn't really need one, but he had this extra car, and he wanted to give it to me, and I had to get a ride. He, he actually worked in the film industry, and so I had to get a ride into Hollywood mm-hmm. to pick it up. And so I came, and I saw the car, and it was a 1958 Chrysler 300D. Oh, wow. So most people don't know what it is. It's a uh, two-door coupe, 392 Hemi engine with uh, dual plugs. Uh-huh. So it's four, 400 horsepower. And uh, this beautiful thing with, you know, of course, big, it's 1958, so big fins, but it also had torsion bar suspension, it had big sway bars, it had brake cooling scoops. It was just this fabulous car, and he just gave it to me. Wow. It was so much fun to cruise around and to drive. Of course, it was, it was very fast because it had 400 horsepower. It was just a fabulous-looking thing. Now, I have a hard time picturing you in that car because I, I just envision you with Porsches so much, so... I know, yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. It was cool. Southern California, though, you got to remember. Of course, yeah, Hollywood. <laughs> Very cool. How yeah. about how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've had that you let go and you really wish you could have back in your garage? Well, that's one of them. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I actually still wish I had that car. And every time I see one, which isn't very often, yeah. they're quite rare, I go, oh, yes, I still wish I owned that car. Another one is a 72 911S uh, that I used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, of course, my favorite color. It was, it was metallic blue. Oh, okay. Uh, sunroof, sunroof Coupe. And I sold that, actually, to uh, help finance college education. But uh, that's a car I wish I had back. I think we have a similar story there that you know <laughs> you know about me with my 72S as well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, those funds went to a good cause. So it's yes, uh, you just can't look back in the review nope, mirror. No regrets. No real regrets there. Yeah, exactly. At least you got to spend some time with it, as I did too. So, I did. How about current projects? I know you guys are always working on something, but is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? I I have another 911 S, a 73, which I bought quite a while back Mm -hmm. that I've had for many years. It's my track car, but uh, I'm building an engine for that, which is pretty special. Uh, I've got extreme cylinder head, interesting camshaft that I'm experimenting with. It's stack-injected, coil-on plug, Motec-controlled. It's got a lot of good parts in it. Mm -hmm. It's bored and stroked, and uh, I'm getting excited about it. about getting that running and trying it out. Fantastic. When do you think that'll be ready for the track? I keep saying this, but probably, hopefully this year, but maybe next year. <laughs> I get busy. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like the uh, the cobbler's children go without shoes. Absolutely. That's, 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 that's my story right now. <laughs> I understand. Now, here's a very interesting introspective question. If you were a car, Chris, what kind of car would you be and why? Well, that, yeah, that's a good one. I thought about that for quite a while, and I decided it would have to be the Porsche GT3. Oh, okay. Now there's a car, and, and why is that? It does everything really well. Uh-huh. You know, there is nothing that that car can't do. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just the embodiment of the whole performance car, sports car, market, engineering, style. It's got it all. 
Yeah, yeah, and fantastic I, cars. That's what, have, that's what it would have to be. There you go. So, Chris, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little something for the Cars Yeah listeners. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free Filler Up book today at Cars Yeah. All right, Chris, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And you've been on many tracks. You know what this means. The white flag is out and it's time to really stand on the throttle. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Okay. Yeah. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Use careful observation. Mm. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Uh, an old machinist guy taught me this is he's to look carefully about everything that's happening and notice things. And that way you get back to that thing we talked about, about not guessing. <laughs> I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, very good. It, it advice. very much ties into that. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? I have to say that's patience. I have a lot of patience. I don't get, I try not to get, too excited about things as far as going on the wrong path. I think about things, I wait, and I, I observe and try to figure things out. And you have to be patient in order to get that done. Yeah, and I, I've known you for a long time. You're a very calm, collective guy, so uh, I think that's I served you really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you find of value? Well, we have a wholesale uh company that we work with called Worldpack, and um, they're all over the country, and uh, they have a a vast selection of parts that we buy from them, as well as uh, they conduct training classes, and if you need it, they have business advice, and uh, it's it's a great company to work with. They listen to what you have to say, you know, for instance, you know, they get a bad run of parts or something, if you tell them. They'll do something about it. They work with you on problems, and uh, they try to get uh, the best parts that they can for their for their customers. So I, th- I think it's a it's a great company to work with. I, I really like them. Great. And how about books? I know you've got a library there in your shop because I've seen it. But is there one book in particular you could share with our listeners that you've enjoyed? Well, I've read it about three times now. It's excellence. Uh, was expected by Carl Ludwig. So ah, it's yes. uh, it's uh, kind of the Bible of the Porsche world, and it starts from Porsche in day one and goes up to fairly current, actually, in the new edition. It's a lot of reading, but it, it tells you the story in detail and you know, kind of goes in sections here and there and along a basic timeline as to what Porsche was doing, and you realize what a fabulous company that they are and uh, the visions that they had and the engineering that they applied uh, have actually changed the automotive world. Yes, it did. It's a great book. I've got that in my library as well. And I love the fact they keep updating it. So fantastic. Well, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyad.com slash Chris Powell. And Chris, do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Well, as a matter of fact, I play uh, guitar in a blues rock band. No kidding. I didn't know that about you. 
No, not many people know that. I've always been interested in music. Of course, I grew up there again in Southern California in the best time of music to grow up. Oh, yeah. And uh, my friends played in bands, and I always wanted to play, and so I took the guitar up later in life and finally uh, was able to get to a point where I could play well enough. And so um, one of the things I'm spending a lot of time doing lately is uh, playing my guitar. Very cool. Do you guys uh, play in front of audiences, or do you just play in, in a garage band? Or It's kind of a garage band, but we're working up to uh, probably sometime this year we'll play uh, live in front of audiences, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Let's see. We could call you Chris Powell and the Carburetors or, you know, <laughs> something fun like that. Very cool. Yeah, I play the guitar too, So, but I had no yeah. idea you played the guitar. Yeah. yeah. So that's very cool. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Awesome. Okay. All right, Chris, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because today I'm paying for it. What would that one vehicle be and why? It would be a blue 911R. A blue 911R. And again, what is it about the 911R that just tugs on your heartstrings? Especially the blue one because it was the only one ever <laughs> built. Okay. Well, it's the pure embodiment of sports cars. Mm-hmm. It's raw performance. And it's minimalist but most uh, visceral state. And I think it, it it represents the whole, it's the beginning of the whole 9-11 performance spectrum. Okay. You know, it all comes back to that car. Sure. So, which is why there's an R group. Yes. They, <laughs> and that's, that was their inspiration was that car, and mine too. And so I think if I had one, I, I, I couldn't think of a better one to choose than that. Is that car in a collection here in the States, or is it in the museum? Uh, it's private ownership back east somewhere. Actually... You know, I, I tried to pursue that car just to find out about it at one time a few years back and didn't have any luck. I had people who did remember it. But uh, then one day I got an Excellence magazine, and there was a huge four- or five-page article on that car. Oh, there you go. And, and so I was just so excited. Yeah. I, uh, I wrote the editor and said, thank you very much. I've, wanted, I've been wondering about it for years. So uh, Perfect. Well, Chris, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I knew you would, and really enjoyed your stories and reconnecting and talking with you today. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the track in that 911R? It's got to be love what you do. Yes. <laughs> you know, I have fun coming to work every day, and a lot of people can't say that. I, I'm very fortunate I can say that, but but, you know, I pretty much have fun every day at what I do. I have a dream job, and it's the only way to go. Absolutely. That's a lot of what Cars Yeah is all about is inspiring other people that you can do it too. If you have a passion for automobiles and you want to have a life wrapped around there, a vocation, you can do it just like Chris has done. It's not easy. It's a lot of work, but you can do it. So thank you so much. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about your business and you? Well, you can visit our website. It's uh, www.chrisgerman.com You can contact me directly. Uh, you can ta- contact me through the Porsche Club of America. I'm on the National Technical Committee. And so I answer questions uh, about Porsches on the web and uh, and through email. And so feel free to contact me either way. Great. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Chris has shared with us today at the Cars yeah website at Cars yeah 
com. Just put Chris in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up with links to all of these great resources. Chris, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and, and stepping out of your shop and sitting down at your desk and talking with me today. I'll let you get back to work, but I want to thank you for sharing your experiences with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.